National versus Capital City Property Investment. This episode will help you use data to dispel some myths and allow you to make money in real estate with actual proof and science. I did this episode, I recorded it, I think it was like a couple of years ago, but If you actually hear what I'm saying, you'll actually build more confidence in the data that I'm about to share with you because that exact kind of philosophy or thesis has actually played out in the next two years or in the last two years since I've recorded this episode. So yeah, it's a little bit old, but actually the data is just as relevant. And if you're making a 10 to 20 year decision, this will actually be incredibly vital and critical listening. So Australian regional versus capital city property investment, where to buy property with data. Here we go. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name is PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So many of you think that, oh, look, I really do want to buy somewhere else, but it's huge risk. You know, Sydney and Melbourne are the biggest metropolitan cities in Australia. Jobs are always going to be the most there. Immigration is always going to be the most there. Do I really want to put my hard-earned money in places other than Sydney, Melbourne, is that really a good use of my investment dollar? So let's go through some statistics. So let's rewind back up, right? I'm just looking at my notes here. So let's look at median capital city house prices. And I'm going to go through the house prices from 1990 to 19, sorry, 2019, all right? And give you the average growth. So Sydney, in 1990, the average median house price was $194,000, and in 2019 was $808,000. The growth on average per year was 5%. Melbourne, $131,000 in 1990. In 2019, so 20 years later, was $645,000. That's 5.7% average growth. Brisbane, 113 to 493. 5.2% growth. Adelaide, 97 to 434,000 from 1990 to 2019. 5.3% average growth. Perth, 100,000 to 446,000. Average growth of 5.3%. Hobart, 82 to 457. Average growth of 6.1%. Darwin, 101 to 416. Average growth of 5%. Canberra, 120K to 600k average growth of 5.7%. What you're noticing here is all of these are capital cities. All of the growth, the average growth has been between 5 and basically 6%. In fact, Hobart, Hobart has been the best performer, 6.1% average growth over the last 20 years. The worst performer, I'm scanning down, the worst performer, get this, don't fall off your seats, is Sydney. Right, So for all of you guys who have immigrated into Sydney or you live in Sydney and you're like, this is the biggest city in in Australia, this is where I should be investing um, in properties, this is the one that's going to do the best, 
over the long term, you know, I can't make a mistake. Well, I mean, the reality is that it has been the worst performing city out of all capital cities in Australia over the last 20 years. Where is this data coming from? I'm not making this up. This is the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And so I just want to correct, it's not 20 years of data, it's 30 years of data. 1990 to 2019 is 30 years, basically. So 30 years of data tells us that there's actually a negligible difference between the capital cities and B, that the ones that you thought were performed the best are the ones that have actually performed the worst, right? So I just want you to connect with that point. It's all just based on data. I always say, don't listen to me. I'm just another expert. The data is what's important. So if you're um, you're only thinking of buying in Sydney and Melbourne because that's your cognitive bias. That's what your friends are telling you. That's what the media is telling. That's what your family is telling. That's where you think the jobs are created. That's where you think the immigration happens. Well, all of that may or may not be right. I don't really care. The data says otherwise. You should not just look at Sydney and Melbourne. All right. And look, most of our media, most of the noise that you hear in property circles is originating from people in, Sed- uh, in Sydney and Melbourne. So, you know, there's a fellow called Michael Yardney, great guy, very experienced. And there's so many people like that. Google him. He's a good, he's a good guy. Um, but you'll see that all they talk about is buying in Sydney and Melbourne or capital cities as close to the CBD as possible. Those are all just myths and the data completely proves them wrong. So what I want to do now with your permission is I want to go through not just the last 30 years of data, but the last five years of data. So this is between 2015 to 20. All right, so it's a little bit, little bit old, you could say, but it gives you five years of, of data. And let's see the capital growth across different cities. Because you might say, PK, what you've just quoted was 30 years of data. Who knows what's going to happen in the last 30 years? This is what's happening happened in the last five years, and so it's giving you more relevance. So I'm going to go around the country, and I'm going to give you some hotspots. I'm going to give you some locations that you may want to invest in as well. Um, but I'm trying to illustrate the point that it's not just Sydney and Melbourne that grow. So let's go. Um, in the last five years, so let's say 2015-16 onwards, um, Mildura has grown by 25%, and this is Victoria. In Victoria, Mildura, 25%, Shepparton, 25%, Bendigo, 21%, Ballarat, 20, uh, 41%, 41%, five years, guys. Um, Melbourne, 37%, so, so good growth, but dwarfed by Mildura. Geelong, 44%. So already out of the ones that I've mentioned, half of the locations have beaten Melbourne in Victoria. Um, and Warrnambool, 22%. All right. So hope you're getting the idea that it's not just Sydney and Melbourne that actually grow. Like I've done so many videos on principles, guys. Here I'm just really just going into the data. Now let's look at Hobart and Tasmania. Burnie has grown by 26% in the last five years. Launceston by 32%, like 32%, and it continues to grow, right? Hobart, 55%. I remember when we were investing in Hobart around 2005, sorry, 2015, 2016, and even I had to convince my clients. I was sort of saying to them, look, the data looks really good, and they're like, PK, like, are you really telling us to invest in New Zealand? (laughs) I was like, Hobart is not New Zealand. I know it's not on the mainland, 
but the data looks really good and here's why. You don't need to be, you know, an expert. You just need to follow an algorithmic system. And those who listened have doubled their money because what I'm sharing you are the median values. Of course, you can beat uh, the median and underperform the median as well. All those clients have doubled their money. Let's go now into regional um, New South Wales. So Byron Bay, last five years, 50%, you know, give or take 50%. Ballina, 38%. Coffs Harbour, 43%. Um, Port Macquarie, 35%. Newcastle, 33%. Sydney is the worst performing. Out of all these New South Wales suburbs or, sorry, cities or towns, Sydney is the worst performing at 25%. Orange, 36%. Griffith, 41%. Like, Wagga Wagga, a little bit less, 18%. Like, hopefully this is making sense to you. This isn't me just bring, bringing out some statistics out of thin air, trying to prove a point that doesn't matter. The point that I'm trying to hit home is that both in the long term and in the recent short term, these capital cities have underperformed. Now, I'm not trying to get you to invest in regional areas, but I'm just trying to lift the lid, you know, look up and out, you know, beyond your myopic thinking to really understand what is possible. Because what is possible in these areas outside of Sydney, Melbourne is positive cash flow, which you can't get in Sydney, Melbourne. Plus, they're outperforming their Sydney, Melbourne suburb counterparts in terms of capital growth. Like, <laughs> what else do I need to say? Um, anyway, let's let's carry on, right? Um, let's look at um, now. Let's kind of look at uh, Queensland, which hasn't performed that well. So it's not a case that PK said you should invest in regional areas. So let's put our blinkers on and just invest anywhere regional. Let me give you some bad examples: Cairns, six point one percent; Townsville, negative eight point six percent; Mount Isa, negative forty percent. Gladstone, negative 20%. Now, guys, you know, these are some bad stories. There's also some good stories in Queensland. Sunshine Coast, 25%. Gold Coast, above 20%. Um, Brisbane, 15%. Right? So, you know, in Queensland, you have areas that have performed worse than Brisbane and areas that have performed better than Brisbane. So, what's like, what's the whole point of me saying this? The whole point of me saying this is that A, you can outperform Sydney and Melbourne in terms of growth. B, that outperformance cannot just last one or two years as a bit of a blip, but over the short and super long term as well. C, the positive cash flow story that you can't get in Sydney, Melbourne is available in these other areas. So don't, you know, discount them. And lastly, D or number four is that you can't just go out and do this willy-nilly. Not all areas in regional will perform. So you need to follow the data system, you know, very specifically and very accurately. What I teach my clients is not a magic algorithm that just works, you know, regardless of who you are, but it's algorithmic, right? It's not a magic system that you put your first and last name in and your date of birth and it spits out an, a an answer, but it's systematic, Right, and you don't need to be on the ground sixty hours a week to really do this stuff. It's everything's based on the data, and you can do that in three or four hours. But let's come back to the the data points. Right now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, PK, you talked about positive cash flow slightly. You talked about growth, but what about vacancy, regional areas? Uh, who even lives there? Like, what even jobs are created there? Um, 
Like, how, how do we know that the place isn't going to be empty? Sure, the, our money can double in 10 years, but what if we don't have tenants for two of those years or one of those years or three of those years or five weeks every year? Let's dispel that myth, not based on my opinion, but based on data right now. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, I'm going to talk to you now about vacancy rates. All right, let's do that right now. So vacancy rates, and I'm picking the absolute worst time to be quoting this stuff, because I know what you sometimes think. You think that, you know, a lot of these property commentators, they pick and choose um, data points that suit their story, that suit their agenda. You can manipulate data to, to show anything, really. Um, <laughs> a statistician is often called a journalist because he can pick and choose data points to craft a story that the unsuspecting viewer or reader doesn't really understand, therefore just accepts. Now, I'm not trying to do that. I'm giving the worst month in which to uh, quote vacancy rates, and that was in the middle of the pandemic in 2022. Sorry, in 2020. June 2020, we're a smack bang in the middle of COVID-19. June 2020, across Australia, worst time uh, in property, apparently. Let's go around and quote some vacancy rates. And remember, when you hear a vacancy rate that's less than 2%, that means that demand is actually stronger than supply in the tenant market. That means it's really easy to get a tenant. That means rents are rising. That means that the vacancy is going to be less than a, year, uh, a week, a year on average. So let's just go around the grounds and compare Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, the ones that you naturally lean towards because they're safe, to other areas. All right, so let's start with some mining towns. Um, Port Hedland and WA vacancy rate 0.9%, Caratha 0.5%, uh, Perth 1.5%, Aspirants, that's regional um, WA, 0.7%, uh, Albany 0.8%, Bunbury 1.8%, Bustleton 0.5%, uh, and Margaret River 0.4%. So what you just saw there was that the vacancy rate is tightest. In other words, the tenant market is the tightest outside of Perth in WA. So regionals are outperforming the capital city. Now you're like, oh, well, maybe that's just a Perth thing. I don't really understand why that's happening. Maybe it's because of the iron ore prices booming, all that kind of thing. Well, let's come down to, uh, where should we go next? Victoria? All right. Shepparton, 1.2%. So remember, this is a point in time, June 2020, middle of the pandemic. Shepparton, 1.2%. Um, Bendigo, one point, what is that? I'm looking at my notes. 1.7%. Ballarat, 1.7%. Warrnambool, 0.7%. Geelong, huge, 3.5%. Melbourne, 3%. So except for Geelong, Melbourne had the worst vacancy rate anywhere in Victoria, all these regional areas, you are making money in capital growth, you are making money in terms of rent rises, and you're making money in terms of having no vacancy. All right. Let's look at South Australia. So Wyala, 0.6% June 2020, remember? Adelaide, 1%. Port Lincoln, 1.7%. Port Augusta, 2.2%. So apart from Port Augusta, all these areas in um, South Australia, you wouldn't be having any difficulty finding a tenant, much to the um, 
you know, which is a, a lot different to what a lot of you guys think. You think if I'm buying outside of Sydney, Melbourne, how am I going to find tenants? Here's the data. Here's the real vacancy rates. Anything less than two is good. Anything less than 1.5 is great. Anything less than one is super excellent. Let's look at regional New South Wales. Armadale, um, not that great, 2.8%. So once again, you can't just, you know, blindly invest in any area. Tamworth, once again, 2.3%. So no, it's not super good. Dubbo, 1%. Orange, 1.7%. Griffith, 0.5%. Mildura in regional New South Wales, fantastic place to be buying, um, 0.6%. All right. So once again, if you compared this with Sydney, 3.8%. These areas are killing Sydney. Let's look at other regional New South Wales. Byron Bay, 2.6%. Ballina, 1.5%. That's great. Um, Coffs Harbour, beautiful place to be investing, 0.9%. Port Macquarie, 1%. Newcastle, 1.9%. Wollongong, 1.4%. Wagga Wagga, 1.3%. So guys, once again, Sydney has basically out underperformed most regional areas. And we know that in these regional areas, like I just went through, you would have made way more money in the last five years than the capital cities and the tenant uh, attrition was lower. The rent rises, the passive income increases every year were higher. So hopefully this picture is coming to, uh, together really, really easily. And hopefully you're not getting overwhelmed by the data. Tazzy, um, Bernie, 0.4%. All right. I have properties in Bernie. I mean, it's they've all basically close to doubled in five years and never had a single day of vacancy. Rents have gone up 67, 70%. Launceston, 1.9%. Hobart, 0.8%. The numbers speak for themselves. Anything less than 2% is great. The point being regional is not bad. I'm just trying to, <laughs> um, you know, sort of ram this home, just kind of pushing down so much data. Um, now, Queensland, Queensland's not um, perhaps as good in terms of capital growth over the last five years, but let's look at the, the vacancy rates. So Cairns, 2%, Townsville, 0.6%, Mackay, 0.8%, Rockhampton, 0.6%, Gladstone, one6 Remember, this is June 2020 data. Harvey Bay, one3 Bundaberg, 0.5%, Sunny Coast, 1.2%, Brisbane, the highest, okay, the highest meaning the worst, 2.4%, Gold Coast, pretty high, 4%. Mount Isa, 0.4%, Toowoomba, 0.7%. So the idea of, of demonstrating this is that I've said that capital growth has been superior in these regional areas, in many regional areas, than cities, capital cities, over the last five years. Over the last 30 years, whether you invested in any capital city or any regional area, the growth has been very similar. In fact, Sydney's the worst at 5%. And the tenant... The ability to get a tenant is no worse in regionals than it is in, in capital cities. In fact, regionals are better than capital cities. So I'm trying to paint for you the picture. Of course, there's more than 30, 35 data factors that you need to be considering when selecting where and what you should be buying. But hopefully this is painting for you the picture that regionals are not bad. Like I grew up in New Zealand and, you know, everyone says Auckland has, you know, just perform so so well and you know Auckland has you know tripled in value over the last 10-15 years but I can tell you that in New Zealand we don't really have well we didn't really have this view of regionals versus capital cities because even the smallest towns like Napier where I grew up has performed just as well as Auckland 
right? So this regional versus capital city debate or argument is really an Australian product. I don't, I don't really know where it comes from because the data doesn't really say that regional is any, any inferior, um, whether in terms of economic outlook, and vacancy, capital growth, or anything like that. Of course, you need to do your due diligence, but um, that's that. And before... At the risk of boring you guys, if you're still with me, I'm just going to ham, ram home or hammer home more data. So you're probably thinking, okay, well, you quoted, um, you quoted vacancy rates um, at a moment in time. Sure, PK, that was in the middle of the pandemic, but you know, what about rent rises? You know, what if rents didn't rise in um, regional areas? Well, let's look at rent rises then, shall we? Um, I've got the notes in front of me. Um, so. I'll, I'll mention the capital cities first. So Sydney, rents rose, let's say, in 2019-20 by 0%. Compare that to Newcastle, 2.3%, Coffs Harbour, 3.4%, Byron Bay, 3%, um, Armadale, I'm talking about regional New South Wales here, 5.9%, Orange, 2.7%. So once again, Sydney has underperformed in terms of rent growth, not just vacancy, not just capital growth, but rent growth. It's that passive income, that positive cash flow going higher and higher and higher and higher. Let's look at Tasmania. Bernie, 3.7%. Launceston, 6.3%. Hobart, 7%. So just in one or two years, you know, rents are rising, which is exactly what we want to see. Does this also happen in regional Victoria? Mildura, 5%. Shepparton, 3%. Rent growth, right? Annual per annum rent growth over 2019-20. Um, Bendigo, 6%, Ballarat, 10%, Warrnambool, 8%, Geelong, 6%, Melbourne, 1%. So not just in terms of capital growth, not just in terms of vacancy, but also in terms of rents rising, that passive income increasing, regional is outperforming. Whew, this is fun. Um, let's look at uh, Queensland. Uh, Cairns, 3.6%, Townsville, 6%, Mackay, 8%, Rocky, 3%, Gladstone, 12%, Harvey Bay, 4%. These are big numbers, guys. Brisbane, 1.2%. Okay, same phenomenon, regionals outperforming capital city in Queensland. Um, so, I'm, look, I'm just going to probably just leave it there because you guys are probably going to get bored of me just shoving data down your throat again and again and again and again. But the last analogy that I want to leave you with, um, and I'll stop looking at my notes, the last analogy that I'll leave you with is capital cities and regional towns in Australia are like two tennis balls. Think of one tennis ball as capital cities and the second tennis ball as regional towns or regional centres, whether they're big ones like Newcastle or Geelong or smaller ones like Bendigo or Ballarat. Now, Think of these two tennis balls as connected to each other on a string. When you take one tennis ball and you throw it up, then naturally the other tennis ball follows. Maybe it's a bit delayed, but it follows, right? And then when the first one, because of gravity, starts coming down, the second ball, because it's connected by a string, also starts coming down. That is how regionals and capital cities work. Capital cities will rise in value and then because of the affordability story, people start going to regionals and then regionals start growing in value. And then capital cities start coming down and regionals still might be going up, but at some point they start plateauing or flatlining. They may or may not come down. So over the long term, the two tennis balls, because they're connected to a string, they perform very similar levels in terms of capital growth. 
right? So anyone who says investing in regional is more uh, risky, um, just blindly more risky, that is not true. The two tennis balls are connected. It's about timing which tennis ball do you want to go with. So let's say in 2010 to 2015, you should have you know, gone with the capital city tennis ball. Now it may be better opportunity to go for the regional tennis ball in terms of capital growth. But the idea is that they will perform very similarly over the long term. We want that 50, 150K bump in capital growth in the first year, two years. We want to have it while buying positive cash flow properties. You can still do that in capital cities right now, but you can also do that in regional areas. So hopefully this helped you. For those of you who are priced out of the Sydney-Melbourne market to expand your horizons and just really by understanding data, quench your thirst for um, for filling yourself with confidence that actually I can do this outside Sydney, Melbourne. Hopefully that was valuable, guys. There was a lot of data. I'm pretty tired. My name's PK. I hope you have a fantastic day. Catch you later.